Well, let me start today by um, giving you a few numbers. Six. That's the number of chapters uh, we've looked at so far in Daniel. One. There's been one clear and consistent message through those six chapters, hasn't there? And that is that God is in control. So in light of that fact, what are we meant to make of these numbers? 250 million. That's the number of Christians that every year face intimidation, persecution, prison or even death because of their faith in Jesus. 105. That's the number of churches that every month are vandalised or attacked or burned or destroyed somewhere in the world. 11. That's the number of Christian brothers and sisters who are killed every single day because of their faith in Jesus. God is in control, that's true, and because God's in control, we know where everything's headed. The long-term future is sure, it is certain, and it is glorious. But the nearer future, the more immediate future, isn't always as promising. In fact, that's what Jesus said, isn't it? Jesus said that if we want to follow him, then we ought to expect dark days ahead. Jesus said that if we want to follow him, we should expect hatred, we should expect opposition, we should expect hardship from the people around us. And that's really what the next six chapters of Daniel have to say to the people of Israel. The message of these chapters is, yes, ultimately God is in control, but it can still be really hard living as one of God's people in this world. There are dark days ahead for the people of God. Things will get worse before they get better. And that message was communicated to Daniel in a dream during the reign of King Belshazzar. Have a look there at chapter 7 and verse 1. It says this, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. Now, immediately, that has jumped us back in time about five or ten years. Daniel is in his 70s, the Babylonian Empire still exists, and Belshazzar is the king. And in the first year of Belshazzar's reign, Daniel has a dream. And in the dream is a message from God, and the message is that as bad as things are under King Belshazzar, They will get worse before they get better. There are dark days ahead. That's the message in Daniel's dream. This is how the dream starts, verse 2. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. And you might have noticed as Ruth was reading, in the next few verses Daniel goes on to describe those four beasts. And each one is more powerful, each one is more threatening and more sinister than the one that came before. Uh, Daniel says the first beast looks a bit like a lion, the second looked a bit like a bear, the third looks like a leopard, but then did you notice the fourth beast, it looks like nothing Daniel has ever seen before. Look at verse 7. After that in my vision at night I looked and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. Daniel can't compare this beast to any other animal because it's like nothing he's ever seen before. And did you notice how it makes him feel? He feels terrified. He's scared. It's more like how you'd feel after a nightmare than after a dream. And it also makes him feel powerless because of the destruction and the distress that it causes. It had large iron teeth, he says. 
It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns. So each one of the beasts is threatening and sinister. Each one is powerful and each one causes more destruction and death than the one that came before. But the destruction and the violence and the death that's caused by the fourth beast is on a scale that has never been seen before. It is absolutely terrifying for Daniel. But what on earth does Daniel's nightmare mean? Well, in verse 17, we're told, the four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. The message of Daniel's dream here is that there are dark days ahead. Belshazzar is a bad king, a proud and arrogant king who opposes God, but after him there are going to be more kings. And not just more kings, but more kingdoms, and they won't be better, they'll be worse. And they'll get progressively more and more powerful and more and more threatening and they'll cause more destruction and more death and it will be terrifying and frightening and it will reach a point of almost unbearable crushing and devouring and trampling and just when it seems unbearable, it'll get even worse. Verse 8. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Then jump down to verse 21. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them. So that is saying that these future kings and kingdoms, they're not just going to be mean and cruel and destructive in general. They are going to directly attack God's people. They are going to wage war against God's people and they will defeat them. There are dark days ahead for the people of God. Things are going to get much, much worse before they get better. But they will get better. That's what the second half of Daniel's dream is about. In verse 9, Daniel looks on and he sees a courtroom being set up and convened for business. Look with me at verse 9. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. So... The scene is set now, right? There's about to be a showdown, an epic showdown between the four beasts from the sea and this kind of kingly judge, the Ancient of Days. And look at what happens. It's a great outcome. Verse 11. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but we're allowed to live for a period of time. It's a great scene, isn't it? A great victory. The court sits, the judge hands down his verdict, the beast has his power taken away and he is completely destroyed forever. And that would have been a really, really encouraging reminder for Daniel. Because the message here for Daniel is that there are dark days ahead, but after those days, things will get better. Eventually, there will come a day when God will write... All that is wrong. 
a day when God will rescue his people from opposition and persecution and distress. And it turns out in Daniel's dream that the way that God will rescue his people is through one like a son of man. Not a beast who comes and who tries to seize power, but this kind of heavenly human figure who is given power. Look with me at verse 13. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Now, when the beasts came into the presence of the son of the Ancient of Man, they were condemned, but this guy is endorsed. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And now look at the interpretation of this bit of the dream. Have a look in verse 26. The court will sit and his power, that's the power of the fourth beast, it will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. So you're getting the gist of this dream here. There are dark days ahead for God's people, but in the end, there will be an incredibly great victory. And verse 14 says that God will give all authority and glory and sovereign power to the Son of Man. And verse 27 says that God will give sovereignty, power and greatness to his people. Now, Daniel wouldn't have really known how all that works, but we know, don't we? The Son of Man is Jesus. And Jesus has won a great victory over evil. He has won a great victory over the forces that oppose God and his people through his death on the cross and through his resurrection from the dead. And we know from the end of Matthew, we looked at it last term, remember? We know that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. The victory and the kingdom, they are his. But they're ours too, aren't they? Because when we're united with Christ, what's true of him, it's true of us as well. His victory is our victory. His kingdom is our kingdom. So Daniel's dream, it ends with a great victory. It foreshadows the greatest of all victories. The victory that Jesus has won on behalf of his people by his death and resurrection. But what's interesting here is that given such a happy ending, Daniel's reaction to the dream is so downcast. Have a look at verse 28. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. See, Daniel is really, really worried about this dream. Deeply troubled, it says. Because even though there is victory in the long term, the more immediate future for God's people is that there are terribly dark days ahead. And for Daniel, that sense of foreboding, that mood of despair, that feeling of distress, it would have only been heightened by another dream that Daniel had two years later. In chapter 8 and verse 1, we're told this. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. See, two years later, Daniel has another dream. And what's different about this dream 
is that where chapter 7 was kind of vague on the details, it just talked about hypothetical kings and kingdoms at some time later in the future. This dream in chapter 8 is really, really incredibly specific. And it makes it clear that those dark days that are ahead, they are coming in the next two to 300 years in Israel's history. So let's have a look at the dream. We'll move pretty quickly through it. We'll look at each part of the dream and then what it means. So here's the first part of the dream. Verse 3. Daniel says, I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other one, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. And then over in verse 20, Daniel is told what that means. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. So that first bit of the dream, it is telling Daniel what things will be like immediately after King Belshazzar. The Medes and the Persians will take over. We saw that already, remember? And they will be powerful and no one will be able to oppose them. Now, have a look at the second part of the dream. Come back to verse 5. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. And then, over in verse 21, Daniel is told what that means. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. So what that means is that after the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks are going to come, and they are going to smash the Medes and the Persians, and they are going to take control. And under the rule of the Greeks, things will get worse and worse and worse for God's people and there will be dark days. That's what the next bit of the dream is all about. Daniel says that, that the, go- the, sorry, the goat that had one big horn, that big horn is going to get broken off, and four horns will take its place. And here's what that means, verse 22. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. So the one powerful Greek empire is going to be split into four empires. And then out of those four horns will come another horn and it will cause terrible and wicked devastation. Look at how it's described in verse 23. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. And now look at what he will do. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty man and the holy people. That's talking about God's people. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many. And get this, he will take his stand against the prince of princes. So, you're getting the basic gist of what this dream's saying? In the next couple of kingdoms, right, the Medes and the Persians and then the Greeks, 
in the next two to three hundred years, things are going to get far, far worse for God's people. The dream is a warning to Daniel that there are dark days ahead, not just in general terms, but in specific and real and immediate terms. But just like the first dream, there's also a reminder here that things will get better. Look at the end of verse 25. It says, talking about that little horn, the one that causes astounding devastation, it says, yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. See, eventually, in the end, God and his people will be victorious. But before then, the overwhelming message of this dream is that there are dark days ahead for God's people. Things will get much worse before they get better. And look at Daniel's reaction again in verse 27. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. See Daniel's reaction? He feels sick at the thought of what lies ahead. He's distressed. He's disturbed. He's overcome. He's appalled. It doesn't seem to make sense. And you know, the things that Daniel was worried about, we have actually seen them come true, haven't we? Over the next two to three hundred years, all that trouble and distress and destruction that Daniel dreamt about, it happened. Under the Medes and the Persians and then under the Greeks, God's people did experience some terribly dark days. Horrible oppression and persecution and death and destruction. But as well as seeing that trouble and distress come true, we have also seen the arrival of the Son of Man, haven't we? That's Jesus. We have seen Jesus by his death and resurrection. We have seen him win an incredible victory over sin and over death and over the forces of evil. And we have witnessed that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth to rule forever. And so as we sit here, it feels a bit like we've dodged a bullet, doesn't it? Like that would have been really tough for Daniel and his friends to go through all that. I'm really glad that's not us. Feels like we've dodged a bullet. Except that's not really true, is it? Because Jesus makes it really, really clear that there are still troubled times ahead for God's people. He says that if we want to follow him today, we should expect hatred and opposition and hardship from the people around us. Until Jesus comes again, life for his people will be characterised by dark days. And so, friends, it could very well be that you're sitting here today and, like Daniel, you feel appalled. You feel appalled at the hatred you see in the world around you, hatred toward the Bible, hatred toward Jesus, hatred toward Christians. It could be that you're sitting here today and, like Daniel, you're deeply troubled, troubled by the hurt that you've experienced in your own life because you follow Jesus. It could be that you're sitting here today and you're distressed at the hurt that you've seen in the lives of others, maybe even in the lives of other people here this morning. 250 million. That's the number of Christians that every year face intimidation, persecution, prison or even death because of their faith in Jesus. 105. That is the number of churches that every month are vandalised or attacked or destroyed or burned somewhere in the world. 11. 
That's the number of Christian brothers and sisters who every day are killed because they follow Jesus. If you are troubled or distressed or appalled by that, I think you're right to feel like that. That's how Daniel felt. But please, please don't despair. Please don't give up hope. Please don't doubt God's goodness. Don't stop believing that God is in control because what we have seen over and over and over again in the book of Daniel and what we have seen throughout history is that God is quite clearly in control. And yes, it can still be really hard living as one of God's people in this world. And yes, there are dark days ahead for the followers of Jesus. And yes, things will probably get worse before they get better. But that doesn't mean God's forgotten us. It doesn't mean he's lost control of the world. It's what he told us would happen. He said there'd be dark days ahead. And he also said those days would come to an end. A day is coming when Jesus, the Son of Man, will return. And he will come with all authority and all glory and sovereign power. And all kings and all nations will worship and obey him. And when Jesus comes, he will once and for all put an end to all that is wrong with this world. We can be absolutely sure about that. So when you feel troubled or distressed or saddened by what's going on in the world, the encouragement from Daniel chapter 7 and 8 is to hang in there. Keep trusting God because he is in control. He warned us that things will get worse before they get better. But get better, they most certainly will. Let me pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are in control. And so, Father, we pray for your people around the world who are suffering for following Jesus, who even as we meet here this morning, who are who are following Jesus in fear for their freedom and in fear for their lives. Father, we pray for them that you would please strengthen them in their faith and help them to keep trusting Jesus until he comes again. And Father, similarly for us, we pray that uh, when things get hard for us as your people, when we maybe get a hard time for that or when We're tempted to be distracted by things around us. Help us to remember as well that you are in control. Uh, And help us similarly to be strengthened in our faith in Jesus. And Father, we really, really look forward to that time when Jesus comes again as the Son of Man, as your King, the one with all power and authority. And we really, really look forward to him making right everything that is wrong with this world. And so we pray that he might come soon. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.